0: The Marlins need a shortstop. Will they be making a trade to fill that vacancy this offseason? Tons of options. Some of them are rentals. Some of them are veterans with multiple years of control. Some of them are pre-arb guys. The Marlins can go about this in many, many ways. I've got at least five names that we could and should consider. This is Locked on Marlins. Greetings from England, and welcome to Locked on Marlins. It's your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on X. Yes, check out that new graphics package. It is updated. No longer is there a bird. No, no, no. On X at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Uh, if you are listening to the pod, of course, hit subscribe firstly. Uh, and thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. This is your team every day. And... There is a YouTube channel. Make sure you hit subscribe there. Also, guys, uh, and that YouTube channel is called Locked on Marlins. Make sure you hit subscribe there and join the comments. Guys, it is Thursday, the 16th of November. And as advertised yesterday, we will be talking about shortstop and considering some trade options that the Marlins could and should consider. Some of them you won't like. Some of them you may like. I'm, sh- I'm certain that a few of them you re- will really like. So, you know, let's get into it. Let's get into it, guys. The Marlins, they do need a shortstop. We're going to talk about that firstly. But this episode is sponsored by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com to get started. All right, guys, so where do we start? Let's start internal. Joey Wendell, no longer a Marlin, will not be back as a Marlin, in my opinion. Anything can happen, clearly, but Joey Wendell's Wendell's 2023, uh, albeit his impact off the field, his impact as well defensively, I would say. That was better than I expected. But overall, Joey Wendell's stick in Miami, it just went cold, and... I think there was a few injuries maybe that impacted that. I don't know, but we don't need to dwell on Joey Wendell. He is not back. Guys that remain on the roster, for certain, John Birdie, his option year was was picked up. No-brainer. Could John Birdie potentially transition into that role as the starting or everyday shortstop for the Marlins? The short answer to that is, yes, he could. Will he? I don't think so. John Birdie, I think his value remains effectively by being a super utility guy. And so I think that's the role that best suits John Birdie. He can fill in anywhere and everywhere. And he will have to. He will have to. Because there's always injuries. There's always things that happen. And so John Birdie will be required in that role. And he plays that role so well. It may be that he ends up Taking time at shortstop, second base, third base, you know, outfield—that's Birdie's value. The Swiss Army. Um, so, I, can Bertie do it? Yes, he can. Can Garrett Hampson do it? We still don't know the exact situation with Garrett Hampson because he's arb eligible. Uh, we'll know that by tomorrow, Friday's episode. Maybe not exactly by the time we do the episode, but Friday is the deadline on uh, on, on tendering and non-tendering guys. So we'll, we'll get a sense whether the, the Marlins will be non-tendering Garrett Hampson. I expect not. I mean, again, the value of Garrett Hampson showed out at the back end of the year. Joey Wendell's stick went cold. So all of a sudden, the Marlins were going to Hampson and Birdie at shortstop. Hampson's versatility as well. Impressive. He's cheap. Impressive. There's a lot to like about Garrett Hampson. So if we think about it, do the Marlins already have what they need internally? if we consider John Birdie and Garrett Hampson as maybe splitting time at shortstop, and you know maybe the Marlins go down that pathway, could they? I think they absolutely could. And that then negates the need to go into the shortstop market either via free agency, not a ton there, um, or via trade. If they were to go via trade, we're going to talk about some of the options. And there's a lot of options, to be honest with you. Um, the other thing to call out of internal options is Jacob and Meyer. I think that's the most realistic one in many ways because, uh, from a defensive perspective, um, Jacob and Meyer, when we think back to last year, his stick was really showing up in AAA. He got called up to, to the Marlins, you know, acquitted himself perfectly fine, and then was optioned back down. And then the stick went cold. It's kind of like, he got his little taste and then it went cold and it didn't really play out for Jacob Amaya i think the marlins probably still like jacob amaya and there's a there's definitely there's definitely a pathway to jacob amaya being the i, I don't maybe not go as far to say everyday shortstop but i think if things break for him in spring that's also something that the marlins could explore and that's why i think shortstop is interesting because i think in reality Birdie, Hampson and Meyer, um, and there's another guy I want to talk about, but those three, even if it's just those three, I think in some ways you'd want to give them the opportunity to see how it could look and how it could feel at short before you have to go away and make a decision about a trade. The Marlins have got plenty of uh, you know, holes to fill. Maybe from a shortstop perspective, they could leave it a bit later. And I also do wonder is if they maybe take a look, and this will kind of segue into the shortstop um, trade options, I do wonder if they maybe leave it a bit later, as in once the season starts, where you can start to make a move. And potentially why you would do that is maybe the value, the trade value, maybe decreases over time, depreciates over time. Maybe. I do wonder. So I think shortstop is a very intriguing situation for the fish primarily because there's a lot of guys that could cover the spot. The question is, is do the Marlins want them to cover the spot? That's the key question. And there's, I mean, there's a few others. The other guy to call out as well is Xavier Edwards. I, you know, it's kind of like the opposite in some ways to Jacob Amaya, where I think with the glove of the Maya, like you feel confident. I think with Xavier Edwards, with the stick, in my opinion, I feel pretty confident that there's like a decent level stick in there. Not a ton of upside, but... The type of stick that the Marlins and Kim Ang was was liking, that kind of profile. And, you know, the question around Xavier Edwards is, well, what about the glove? Could he play shortstop? He used to be a shortstop. The Marlins moved him away from shortstop because they had, well, so many shortstops. So that's kind of another one that I think... I remember hearing Skip Schumacher talk about Xavier Edwards... And he called it out specifically, saying the next progression for him is seeing can he play, you know, left side of the infield. So it's in Skip's mind. It's in, it was in Kim Ang's mind. Maybe, I don't know again how that will change, but I think everyone sees that if they can get Xavier Edwards defensively at a point where he can play shortstop, then that would be a big plus for the fish. And again, this comes down to it. Do you want to let, do you want to go into the off season knowingly and thinking, let's really prioritize Xavier Edwards' glove. Let's try to get him back to a position where he can handle, he can handle shortstop. The other wild card clearly is Jaschism Jr. Spoke about it already. I am very confident now that the Marlins see Jazz Jr. as a center fielder. However, who knows? You know, things can change. But I, I, I thought, and I, Share this on the pod and the everydayers listening will will know this. As soon as they went away from Jonathan Davis specifically, in my opinion, that was a clear uh, and intentional signal to us as the fans that Jazz Chisholm remains the starting center fielder moving forwards. And the, if they move Jazz out of there, they still need a center fielder. So, you know, that's another wild card situation. The Marlins do have a lot of internal options here and that means that there's Think back to a few years ago with catcher, you know, catcher still back around now, but and center field. It felt like every club knew that the Marlins were desperate for a center fielder. Those are not the trading conditions that you want. Trust me. You do not want to be walking into a negotiation where the other club knows that you are desperate and you are panicking to fill that spot. And that's where the Marlins were. The whole industry knew it. They knew the Marlins were desperate for a center fielder, and so they were trying to charge the price accordingly. In the end, it didn't play out that way. Luckily, Kim Ang showed some resolve, held back on that, considered another creative option. But I do think this helps the fish now. They've got tons of options. This isn't desperation, but if you can swing the right deal for the right price for the right player, then maybe you pull the trigger on that, um, the old profile, Kim Ang's profile, was multiple years of control. There are guys out there like that. There's guys out there like that, too, that have a degree of money also attached to them. You need to get creative with those guys. And there's also some what I would describe as elite rentals. So there's tons to get into, guys. There really, really is. Um, but before we do that, uh, let's hit our first ad of the day, guys. Uh, and it's our good friends, of course, over at FanDuel. So let's get the sexy graphics pumped for sure. There we go. Yes, sir. Uh, I do need a producer on here with me. Nevertheless, um, you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. Unbelievable. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. Wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So all you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, guys, you're back here with me, Peter Pratt. On Thursday, the 16th of November, we are talking shortstop, and we are talking, well, we've been talking internal options, and there's a lot of them. We're now going to flip the script, and we're going to talk about trade options that the Marlins could consider. Should they consider it, I'll let you be the judge of that. But I've got a couple of names here, at least five that I want to share with you that could be, that are options. It isn't could be. These guys are options. I have not ordered them in my priority level. I'm going to order them in a, in a way of elite rentals, vets with control, and pre-op guys that could be considered. So let's get into it, guys. These names, some of them will be very familiar to you unsurprisingly, particularly the elite rentals um so let's kind of start there I think when we when we talk about trade options the name there's two names I would say that have been the most buzzy this name in particular I think has been the buzziest name it's miguel no it's not miguel Ross it is Willie Adames and the reason it's a buzzy name there's various reasons actually, but it's primarily linked to the Production, um, the 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 history of production, the age, the defense, and also the fact that the Milwaukee Brewers are giving off signals that they're looking to cut payroll. So for me, that is a very interesting situation for Willie Adames. He also was traded from the Rays. Does Peter Bendix have a view on him? Probably. I mean, he'll have a view on everyone, but. What's the history there? Is there any? I don't know. But the thing with Willie Adames that we have to call out, he's entering his final year of arbitration. The team is looking to cut cut payroll. The arbitration projection in terms of the number is between 13, 14 million. Somewhere in that range. So listen, if the Marlins go and get Adames right now, they also have to pay him 14 million this year. They also only have that single year of control. So these are all in my opinion, serious sticking points. However, he's only just turned 28. Only just turned 28. And he's coming off a season where he hit 24 home runs, an OPS plus of 95. He regressed a bit, actually, offensively in 2023. Previous seasons, it's been even better that offensively. But this is the type of profile that, as a Marlins fan would get you excited at the shortstop position. And like I mentioned, he's only just turned 28. At the back end of this year, after this 2024 season, he'll just be turning 29. So what shouldn't be ruled out and what couldn't be ruled out is if you trade for Adames, you trade with a view to extend, potentially. I think that's the way you'd have to look at it. He's the type of guy that you could build around. He's got the power. He's got the defense. Really, And he's got the age on his side. He's got the history of production. He's an elite option. An elite option for the Marlins that right now is controllable just for one year. So I think there's obvious pros and there's obvious cons with this one. I think Willie Adames would absolutely fit the profile here, clearly, but organizationally, sustainable depth is a dangerous one. I think if you made this move, it would probably be expensive at this point. But this is going back to the point I made earlier in the first segment, that the Marlins may be happy to ride with Birdie, Hampson, Amaya, and Et al. Et al. They may be ha- happy to ride with them guys, with a view that there are a few potential rentals on the market that they could look to scoop up if they're in the mix. But you run the risk, right? If you go with a budget option, potentially and then you're never in the mix, (laughs) then it becomes irrelevant. I get it. It's a fine balancing line. I want the Marlins to have the sexiest offense going. Listen, the Marlins have to do something with the offense. Last year, in the NL, it was the worst offense, if you look at the number of runs scored. They have to bolster this offense. Willie Adames would absolutely do that. He would bolster the offense sizably, in terms of what the Marlins saw at the shortstop position. He would bolster the defense. Sizably, in my opinion. It'd be close because Joey Wendell was fine, but I think Adamez could and should be better. The age is good, profile's good, but the cost could be high and the control is low. Tough one. Let's talk about another rental. Not officially a rental, but Hassong Kim from the Padres is he's got a seven million option in 2025. It's a mutual option I believe and so Kim will not be accepting that <laughs> so really this is going to be Kim's final year with the Padres on that contract um the other thing to call out is Kim shifted back to second base uh, for the majority of, of of 2023 that's off the back of Xander Bogart's being uh, signed to a long-term deal with the Padres let's take a step back and think about the Padres right now the Padres are in a really weird spot clearly the news um earlier this week about the owner. They've had to be borrowing money. They've got this Soto situation where it's final year of control on Soto. The rotation is being is depleted to hell because of free agency and all sorts. This could be this could be a real blow it up time here for the Padres. It may not be. It like, it, this could go in a few directions. But I, what I would say is Kim will absolutely be seen as a rental here. He won't be accepting that that mutual option there. Um and frankly, Kim. He had a stunning season in 2023. Stunning season. Um, you know. Ended up with a WRC plus of 112, 17 home runs, 38 stolen bases, 260 hitter. Again, this is a sizable upgrade for the Marlins. It's a different type of profile to Adames. Adames is a little bit more power orientated. And where Kim is a bit more like prototypical middle infielder in some ways. There is power in the stick. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of speed in the stick, and there's, you know, hitting for average too. Like I said, the Padres are in an interesting spot. I have no idea which direction they'll go. But with it, with any rental, with any expiring deal, there's always a decision to make. Do they need to cut payroll? Maybe. Could they be interested in someone like Jacob Amaya, potentially, or Xavier Edwards, potentially? You know, that kind of guy where they get a bit younger at the position. Save 7000000 million. They're going to need all the money they can get to try to extend Juan Soto. So I think that's a really intriguing one. Can he play shortstop? Yes, he can. Played it a ton in 2022. But with Bogarts coming in, Kim slides to second. So, again, one of the elite rentals. One of the elite rentals there um, for the Marlins. Again, they don't have to make that move now. And I think this is going to be one of those where the Padres either make that call immediately and they just reboot it this off-season in whatever way, or it's one last dance. And if they're not in the hunt, big sale at the deadline. That's the intriguing thing here. The Marlins don't want to overpay, I wouldn't say, for Kim at this point. Need to kind of let it, wait and see where the Padres get to. But what I would say is they make an interesting match, definitely. If you're watching, you'll see that. <laughs> I'm not sure I went for that hand gesture, but nevertheless... Um, they make an interesting fit, I think, because, like I mentioned, the rotation for the Padres, you know, it's looking depleted. There's there's a lot of holes to fill there. And, you know, the Marlins, they have some controllable arms that would be very interesting, I think, to the Padres in a Kim deal. Um, could they patch it together at second base? Absolutely, they could. Absolutely, there'd be ways they could do it. I remember Jake Cronenworth was playing second base at one point um, a few years ago. He slid over to first because they wanted to stick in the lineup. Like the Padres could get creative. There's guys on that roster they can move around to make it happen. So wait to see. Right, speaking about, let's get into guys that have a little bit more control. So those are the two rental options I think that are no-brainers for the Marlins. If they can make either of those happen, they're no-brainers. But clearly that only solves this year unless you make the move now with a view of extending and you have to commit into that. That has to be like a pre-decision almost of like, we're not just going to, have the starling Marte situation of just like get near the deadline and then hope the final week before the deadline that he may have an extension discussion. No, you need to be strategic about it. If you go and get a the view is we're going to re-sign you. Are the Marlins going to do that at this point? Considering what's coming down the pipe in terms of cost with the Reyes, with Sandy, etc. like a few other guys, it's going to be tough to do that. That's the only blocker here. Let's talk about Tommy Edmund. It's a guy that Eli Sussman's called out, so I have to call that out as well. Eli was talking about Tommy Edmund, has already talked talked about Tommy Edmund. We spoke about it directly, about Tommy Edmund. So let me tell you about Tommy Edmund. <laughs> um, this episode is not sponsored by Tommy Edmund, by the way. But there's two years of control on Edmund. That's why it's interesting. The estimate for arbitration for this year is $8 million. So then let's say it's going to be like, 12, 13, the year after. Maybe a 20 million commitment uh for Tommy Edmund over the next two years. So very interesting profile. Let's just start with the fact that the Cubs, the Cubs, the Cardinals. <laughs> Getting all the uh the, the NL Central muddled right now, as uh Great Council will testify to. <coughs> but the Cardinals, they're in an interesting position position too, where it was a disaster in 2023. So what does this offseason look like to reboot the Cardinals? How, how aggressive are they going to be? And it feels like we've had this same conversation about the Cardinals for the past two years at least. They need some arms. They've probably got too many sticks. Um, too many outfielders. Too many sticks. Not enough arms. da 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 That's kind of been on repeat. I think it still remains the same. Tommy Edmond, I think, is absolutely a trade candidate option. What does he bring? What would Tommy Edmond bring here if the Marlins went and acquired him? It's a nice offensive profile, is how I would describe it. There's a bit of power in there. Not quite as much as Kim. Definitely not as much as Adames. Um, the the speed is there, absolutely. Similar to Kim on that, where the speed is there. So Tommy Edmond, he profiles as a, an up-the-middle prototypical profile with a a little bit more power maybe than that. Like it's, you know, it's over 10 run, uh, 10 runs, 10 home runs a season. Um, and you know, 30 stolen bags. The beauty with Tommy Edmund is the versatility in the 48 starts at shortstop, 37 starts in center field, 40 at second base. So, you know, right up the middle, it's your prototypical guy. You can slot in. It's effectively John Birdie or Garrett Hampson with, Maybe a little bit more power, a bit more offensive upside, really. But in many ways, it's John Birdie. And whilst I think there is value there in that, the question is, is with the finite resources that the Marlins have in terms of trade capital and budgetary spend, you know, is Tommy Edman does he move the needle enough? to justify the cost, that's the question. Is, does he move the dial far enough? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I think I would prefer to go in other directions, but I can absolutely see why Tommy Edmund would fit the profile here, particularly with the two years of control. He's a nice player. He's got good defense at shortstop. The stick's interesting. It lacks a bit of upside. It's The versatility is great. There's a lot to like about Tommy Edmund in a in a vacuum in that way. But I just think the Marlins have already kind of got that and they could piece that together right now. And what's the cost going to be for Tommy Edmund? You know, a lot of people may be speculating that like Eddie Cabrera or Trevor Rodgers will be like one of you know the guy, the sacrificial guy to try and get in one of these, you know, maybe as part of a trade package for a shortstop. Did, would you want to sacrifice all of those club club control years and the huge upside that comes with both Trevor Rogers and Eddie Cabrera for like two years of a, a slightly more powerful John Birdie? For me, you no. Know, for me, no, but I can absolutely see why. it's It's an intriguing profile. It is. It definitely is. Here's another one for you guys. So this is where things start to get... You know, interesting. Some people may go, this is not for me. I get it. So I want to throw another name out there. It's a vet name. I think they could be available, are available. I don't know. They have even more control than Tommy Edwards. That's interesting. They'll get multiple years. They get four years of control on this one. Um, He's recently declined his opt out of a long-term deal. He's owed... million over the next four years. And the guy I'm talking about is Javier Baez. Now with the Tigers. Um, It's fair to say he had a putrid offensive year in 2023. Putrid. Baez absolutely stunk the joint out. It was not quite as bad as Joey Wendell, but we're talking in the same vicinity. We're absolutely talking in the same vicinity, offensively anyway. So many people will be saying, Pete, what are you talking about? This is nuts. So why should we consider Javier Baez for the Marlins, particularly at that price tag? Let's start with his defense. Elite. Elite defense, elite shortstop defense. Let's tick that box, baby. So what about the offense? Okay. he's We look back to his days with the Cubs. There was some... Listen, there's always been some flaws with Javier Baez, but the offensive production was top tier, particularly for a shortstop. Things haven't worked at all for him in Detroit. It wasn't as bad in 2022, his first season there. 23 was just putrid, as I've already mentioned. It hasn't worked in Detroit, but sometimes this happens, right? You get guys that go to organizations, the environment isn't right, something's not right, you're just not enjoying your baseball, you're in your own head. I don't know. Loads of things can go wrong. But when I think of Javier Baez, and I, this is the interesting bit. I went to look at his numbers, and it, like they were, like I said, they're putrid. The thing that popped for me, in 23, his K rate, what do you think it would be? Most people, you know, people would be going, at, his K rate's going to be like 35%, 40%. It was 22%. It was almost 23. 23 let's round it up. 23% K rate, um, which I was very surprised at, actually. Everything I saw saw about Baez was like wild swinging outside the zone, like the low and away slider, the stand-on zone in some ways. Bias getting caught out on that. Listen, he had a WRC plus a 61. He was terrible. He was terrible. Um, but why am I even thinking about Javier Bias? Why? It's a great question. I fundamentally think there could be, in the right environment, I think there's a significant opportunity here for the, like the ultimate reclamation project. Should the Marlins be gambling on that? Probably not. Will they? Probably not. But I do think that there could be a massive reclamation project here. So, what could it be? What is the upside that you are trading for if you go and get Javier Baez? You're getting, if he returns back to his previous self, his pre Tigers self, you've got 30 home run power. You've got elite shortstop defense. That is hard to find, guys, for four years, four years of 30 home runs and elite shortstop defense. For me, at a high level, sounds very intriguing. There is a problem, apart from the recent production. The problem is the money. Money is the problem. $98 million is a lot of money. Way too much for the Marlins. There's a secondary problem. He has a 10-team, no trade clause. I don't know who's on the list. Could the Marlins be on the list? Maybe. Would Javier Baez enjoy Miami? I think so. I think he would. I think he'd be open to it. Frankly. So, with all this being said, why how would we get it done? The only way to get this done would be Avicel Garcia going the other way, who'd be immediately released by the Tigers. Probably, should be. So that that saves twenty five million right there. And some cash considerations from the Tigers. That's the only way it would happen. It's the only way this could happen. Would the Tigers do it? I don't know. I don't know the situation with Byers and the Tigers. I don't know whether that's currently a good relationship, whether it's something they're looking to move on from. I have no idea. I don't follow the Tigers whatsoever. Any Tigers fans are listening, let me know. But boy, oh boy, this one, like when you think about, you know, potentially, you know, organization change, you know, ch- changes and difference makers, I'm looking for difference makers. I think Javier Baez could be a difference maker for the Marlins. Is he going to be? Who knows? Is he too expensive? Probably. But the Marlins would certainly like to get out of that Avicel Garcia money or put it to be- better use. Is Avisel Garcia's $12 million better used and invested in Javier Baez next year? I think it probably would be. We'll wait to see on that one. Running long on time, which is to be expected, so I'm just going to throw one other name out there for this one. I have, I actually have quite a few other names I'd want to talk about. So maybe we'll do that in the next episode or two. So keep your eyes peeled. I'll probably cover the, the roster moves tomorrow and decisions around the, the non-tender situation. i um, expecting Jacob Stallings to be one of those guys. So final guy I'll just mention. This is if the Marlins want to go for a max control type of guy. And this is not without risk and potentially um, may you may face into some defensive challenges. It is from a division rival, and it is from the Atlanta Braves. It is Vaughn Grissom from the Bravos. He burst onto the scene at 22, if you recall. Um, he was promoted directly from A. He put up a 119 OPS plus in 41 games for the Bravos in, in 2022. Obviously, he, uh, he didn't play shortstop. He was playing at second base. Dansby Swanson was still on the scene back in those days. Swanson obviously free agent the view was hey Vaughn Grissom he's going to slide into the shortstop position no Orlando Arcia he ends up taking that role became an all-star at that spot as well which is, you know you have to tip your caps to the Braves they don't have uh, they don't have pick him um for for Grissom he he had a you know we ended up spending most of the year at a AAA, a and, and he ended up hitting 330 at triple a you know 102 games like the sticks going to play for Grissom and it's a prototypical middle infielder stick, to be honest with you. So when he did come up to the big league level, he played a little bit at shortstop, and it was a disaster, frankly. You know, he came up, he played shortstop for whatever reason. I don't know the reason. Maybe Arcia was was down for a bit. Grissom was terrible at shortstop in 23. The Braves fans were all like, man, what's Anthopolis doing? Why are we going with Arcia? Then Arcia kind of popped, and then Grissom came up, and Grissom was, like, terrible at shortstop. Everyone's like, okay, um, Alex Anthopoulos, he he's a pretty good GM. I think he knows his onions, and he does. He definitely does. So, Grissom, there's six years of control remaining. The stick is going to play, guys. The defense may not play right now at shortstop. The Braves are putting out there, they're putting out in the media, kind of back channeling. Hey, we're open to him moving to, to left field. We think we're going to move him to left field. Guys, let me tell you right now, it's a smoke screen, it's a lie. They're going to actively look to try and move Vaughn Grissom this offseason, in my opinion. They need some help with pitching, the rotation. There's some decisions to make there. There's a deal to be made here, but it is not without risk. And it may not actually fill It may not fill your shortstop position. However, what position it could fill, maybe it fills second base. Six years of control for potentially an above-average middle infield stick. Who knows what the future holds for Lewis Arias, frankly. Two years of control remaining, and it's expensive control. The dude's a stud. Absolute stud. But who knows what the future holds for Luis Arias. If a guy like Vaughn Grissom is available this offseason, which I think he is, I think the Braves are looking to move him. Like I said, they're putting out smoke screens. I think Vaughn Grissom will be traded. The question is, is it going to be the Marlins trading for him? I don't know. It's not without risk, but it's an option. With that being said, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day, guys. Hope you've enjoyed this one. A few names for thought. There's options internally. The Marlins don't have to do anything this offseason. They can absolutely roll with Birdie, with uh, Hampson, with Amaya, with Xavier Edwards. They can roll with any and all of these guys to piece it together at shortstop. There's rentals available that would move the needle. There's other guys out there that are maybe higher risk. Maybe higher reward. I don't know. And equally, there are like pre-arb guys that you could also scoop up. Tons of options. Which way do the Marlins go? We'll wait to see this offseason. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.